Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, as we turn to the preaching of your word, we pray that your Holy Spirit will do a mighty work within each one of us, Father. Lord, I pray that the truth of your word will resonate deeply within each of us and take root. I pray that you will give us ears to hear, eyes to see you. Father, we pray that you will help us to become the people that you would have us to be through the transformative power of your spirit. Lord, we pray that your people today will be edified. That those who do not know you will hear your word. And through the preaching of your word that you will call your people and you will save them. Father, we pray that you will do a mighty work both within us and then through us to others. Father, we pray that not only this fellowship, but other gospel-centered churches here in the county will preach rightly the word of God and that the gospel of Jesus Christ will be heard. Father, we pray that every pulpit, every man that stands and preaches your word will not see that as, as their day, as their time, as their voice, but may they be used as instruments for you this morning. Father, we pray that your word will go into the darkness, that you will use us as your instruments both today and then taking the truth into tomorrow. And that we will, through your word, share the good news of Jesus to the rest of our family, to our neighbors, co-workers, those we come in contact with. And that you will do a mighty work. Your grace will be not only known, but received. And then you will be worshipped here in King George County. Father, we pray the same for the Yemeni the northern Yemeni in Yemen, that you will send brothers and sisters overseas to the Yemeni and that they will hear the good news of Jesus Christ. Father, there is so few that they they don't even come to a percentage point in the different analyses and in the reports that are done. The few believers that have received your grace, Father, I pray that they will be strengthened this morning. They may be small in number, but may they be filled with your grace and your truth. And may they share the good news of Jesus Christ with those around them. Father, we pray that the gospel will go to the poorest of the Arab peoples and become a wellspring of blessing to the rest of the Muslim world. Father, we pray... For his sister church, McLean Bible Church, the campus on Main Avenue, who are partnering with Pillar DC. We pray as those two bodies come together that they will plant this fall along the wharf, Father, and that they will reach that neighborhood for your glory. I pray that you will use that new body in a mighty way. The more will come. The more will come and worship, 
and they will share the good news and not just worship in and of themselves and keep it to themselves, Father, but they will be so overwhelmed and overcome by Your grace and Your love that they will share and that You will bring more into our area, all over the D.C. area, Father. More will come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Lord, we pray for Chris and Megan Guthrie this morning missionaries in Australia. We thank you for calling them to Wycliffe Bible Translators and to do a great work there. May they continue to remain steadfast in the seasons when they become weary. May they turn to you for strength. May they continue to do that great work of translating the Aboriginal language so that they can hear the good news there in your holy word. Father, give them what they need, their financial needs this morning. Father, may they put all their trust, regardless of what they're facing, may they put all their trust in You as they go forth. May Your grace sustain them. Father, that's our prayer for us this morning. Sustain us, strengthen us, and then use us to the glory of Your great name. Amen. In the last couple of chapters, we have uncovered something that most of us in the faith have come to know firsthand. The persistence of the enemy in opposing the Lord's work. The enemy, the devil, and his pawns will use any means necessary so they can stop kingdom work. We've seen it in the form of outside attacks and fear-mongering, inward division and selfish preservation, convincing people to think of themselves and not others. The enemies of God do not want God or His people to succeed in the work that He's given them. And what we have witnessed in all of this is how Nehemiah responds each and every time. He hasn't changed. We're almost halfway through the book and we have seen Nehemiah steady. His reaction and his focus has remained steadfast. Each instance, it doesn't matter what Nehemiah is facing, Nehemiah puts everything in perspective by having an eternal view. Looking first to the eternal God. This is what Nehemiah has done in every instance of opposition. And this gives Nehemiah an unwavering resolve and a commitment to the Lord. Earlier in chapter 6, the enemies of God came to him four times. And each time, Nehemiah responds in the same manner. He's consistent. He's not without fear, though. He confessed it in chapter 2. But being faced with a barrage of opposition, Nehemiah's fear of God overrides his fear of man. And this has given him an unshakable faith. He believes in God, who he described in chapter 1 as the God of heaven, 
the great and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments. Nehemiah prays and calls Israel God's servants, knowing that people sin and are corrupt, and God's graciously given his commandments, his statutes, and his rule through a mediator, and that he holds his people accountable. Yet, God is a faithful, covenant-keeping God who keeps relationship based upon His Word, not His people's. He gives mercy freely. He fills hearts with His grace. And He restores, and then He puts a fire in His people that burns for His glory. But this is not about Nehemiah who faces opposition and who has super strong faith in this God. This is not a story about a man. It's about God, this great God of heaven, this covenant-keeping God who preserves and restores His people. In verse 9 of chapter 6, Nehemiah says, For they, the enemies, for they wanted to frighten us. The enemy wants to defeat God by destroying God's people. And they think if they can weaken us, the work will stop and it won't get done. Nehemiah does not succumb to that. He prays to God that he will strengthen him to do the work. What we have seen is that the enemies are persistent. God's people need to be aware of that and be more determined to finish the work. And we do that not in our own strength, but in looking to God and trusting Him. Facing opposition is hard. For three chapters now, Nehemiah and the Jews have been facing opposition And it has been hard. It takes a lot of time and energy. And it takes a a supernatural tenacity that only comes from trusting in the Lord and putting our hope in God. That is what we learn from Nehemiah. That is what we need today. Our strength comes from the Lord and in the power of His might. What has happened here in Nehemiah is not just an example for us to remember. It is a declaration of an absolute truth that we as Christians need to live. And here it is. The enemy will not stop. He will not stop. He will use whatever means he can to stop the work of God continuing. He will mock us. He will shame you. He will wreak havoc. He will use intimidation. He will lie about your standing and your character and will try to break you down and wallow in fear and doubt, turning you in the end away from God. He will not stop until he does that. And this will not end as long as you and I live in this present age. But there's an even greater truth 
in our text this morning. It's a, it's a greater and a better truth for us this morning. One that sets us on solid ground and gives us a firm foundation to keep going. It enables us to face the opposition and to endure and have strength and to stay steadfast on the Lord's work. And here it is. Our God never fails. He never fails. What He determines becomes reality. What He begins, He finishes. He is the author and the perfecter. What He saves is restored and built up and lives forever. Our God never disappoints. He never breaks. Martin Luther describes God as a bulwark never failing. He's a fortification that will not crack under pressure, is what he's saying. Luther says God's truth abides through every struggle, every battle, and his kingdom is forever. Do you believe that? Do you truly believe that and stand on that? Is your life based on this greater, better truth? Do you feel like your knees are buckling? If you do, you need to hear this. And we all need to be reminded this morning. What we have today in our text is truth that shatters every doubt and worry about your faith. If you are wavering, if you're unsure, God is telling you this morning that He will finish what He starts. And this is what we have in verse 15. We're told, so the wall was finished. Nehemiah shared in verse 14, the enemies wanted to make him afraid. Time and time again, they set out to discourage Nehemiah, to make him doubt, to put his sights on anything else. But Nehemiah set his sights on our great God. And the wall was completed. Instead of Nehemiah being afraid, all the enemies, all the nations around them were afraid and were discouraged. Because, not of Nehemiah, because God accomplished His work. This work is done and Nehemiah does not take credit for it. The wall got rebuilt. There's less people than there used to be. The city looks like a war-torn rabble. But the wall is rebuilt. The people are safe. And God did it in the face of opposition. And He did it in 52 days. Now it could have been 52 days since verse 14 when Nehemiah prayed once again. And God heard his prayer. And in His providence, God acted. That itself can be a lesson for us. To go from verse 14, knowing that the enemies were making Nehemiah afraid, to verse 15, when God finishes the wall and he says in 52 days, that can be a lesson for us. In God's wisdom to show us and the world his glory, sometimes God will act immediately in the direct attack, in that moment of opposition. Other times, patience is needed. 
In waiting on God, his people learn to have a deep appreciation for his goodness, even in seasons of affliction. The psalmist writes in Psalm 119, beginning verse 71, It is good for me that I was afflicted, that I might learn your statutes. The law of your mouth is better to me than thousands of gold and silver pieces. And writing about that, here's what Martin Luther, once again, this is what he said about that psalm. No man without trials and temptations can attain a true understanding of the Holy Scriptures. I never knew the meaning of God's Word until I came into affliction. I have always found it one of my best schoolmasters. What a lesson for you and I today. The affliction that comes with opposition is an unexpected season of growth and strengthening. Like a gardener in a plant nursery where the best trees are shaped and trained for the full display of the gardener's work. They're pruned and they grow and they mature and they bear fruit made ready to be planted into a soil that's watered from these fountains that never run dry. And is carried on and is cared for by a sovereign hand of love. God did a miraculous work in 52 days. But notice, he doesn't tell us that until after those 52 days. We're told the work was accomplished in 52 days. We're not told what he did in those 52 days. But what he did was reverse the tide. The enemy tried to make Nehemiah afraid. Instead, they became afraid because God in his infinite glory is revealed as their real opposition. They thought they were facing Nehemiah and the Jews, but who they're really facing, who their real enemy is, is the almighty, all-powerful God, the true God who cannot be defeated. And their battle is lost. In this affliction, Nehemiah and the rest of the Jews are given a tremendous gift. They're given a window into the throne room of God, and this helps them to endure. Here's what I mean by that. The God of their faith is not just some abstract belief that Nehemiah and the Jews hold on to. With the opposition that has surrounded them for three chapters now, they're given access to God acting on their behalf and ultimately acting for His glory. The afflictions they experience causes them to reject worldly mindedness and the emptiness of things seen and the temporal affirmed. They have a front row seat to the value of things unseen and eternal. Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians 4, 18, we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. I have gone to this verse time and time and time again. And we need reminded 
The opposition that we face is only temporary. What we cannot see is God working in our midst and we trust Him. We can trust Him. We put our faith in the One who always fulfills His Word. And whether it's immediate or whether it's 52 days or whether it's longer than that, we look to Him and He finishes the work. James tells us to look to opposition and to count it as joy. When God sees fit, He strengthens and He demonstrates His grace in you. Now, it's not joy in the act when you're facing opposition. That's not the joy. The joy is not the affliction and the battling, but it's in the end. It's what comes at the end. So much is packed into just those 52 days. God is who He says He is. And when He sets out to do what He promises, you can know for sure that He will accomplish it. He will finish it. And He gets the credit for it. His people are strengthened by it. And the enemies of God fear Him. They will come to know that God is so much greater than we are and His ways are so much higher than ours. Nehemiah and the Jews must work in the face of constant trouble and opposition. The the enemies have tried to make Nehemiah afraid and they have tried everything. They've tried the outside opposition and they've tried to create havoc inside to make him afraid. But look at the result of what's happened. Look at what God has done. He has made them afraid. No one can stop God's work. Man is nothing before God. We need to see though, that while the enemy knows God and His glory, and even may fear His power, the enemy will not quit. While the wall was finished, the opposition still doesn't stop. In verses 17 through 19, we see Tobiah still worming his way around, still trying to undermine Nehemiah and cause turmoil and discouragement. And he's going to be there all the way through the rest of the book into chapter 13. Tobiah is going to be a constant problem all the way through the rest of the book. But again, what does Nehemiah do in our passage though? What does Nehemiah do? How does he react? Nehemiah knows that the enemy is using Tobiah to make him afraid. He says this in verse 19. Tobiah sent letters to the Jewish nobles and they spoke highly of him to what? To make him afraid. Their goal hasn't changed. In all their different tactics and schemes, they're still trying to make him afraid. Constantly, the goal of the enemy is to instill fear. We can either cave in to that fear and then quit the work and be defeated. 
or we can trust God that He's in control and has our good, our life in mind, and then witness the hand of God fulfill His promises. Nothing has changed for the church. The people of God still face the enemies of God. For the Christian who's been given the work of telling the world of who God is, of His plan to save through His Son, the enemies we face are seeking ways to make you cower in fear. This means we need to be aware. We need to be on the lookout that whenever the Word of God is proclaimed, wherever the work of advancing the Gospel and building up His church is being done, the devil is active. He will not stop until God says so. Charles Spurgeon knew this. The great preacher of the 1800s, he knew this. During times of his preaching at the Metropolitan Tabernacle in London, he would have a group of people praying while he was preaching. He knew opposition was forming at the proclamation of God's truth. The enemy was actively slithering around. Like Nehemiah, he didn't face it alone. We can't face opposition alone. Prayer and the Scriptures are our weapons. That's what God has given us. And He promises as we yield the weapons of God, He will not fail. He will not fail us and He will not fail through us as He accomplishes what He sets out to do. He will advance the cause of Christ and He will build His church. The work God gives to us is a good work. It is a lasting work. It is not without its hardship. We will be afflicted. We will face nonstop opposition, but we can rest in our work knowing that God will complete what he sets out to do. We know this Most of all, because what Jesus endured. The closer he got to finishing his mission on earth, the greater the opposition became. The greater the fears of his disciples became. And as he told more of what was to come on on Calvary, and then what he experienced in the garden, and he's asked for the cup to pass from him, but he stayed the course. And now, in His strength, we endure all other fears the enemy wants to throw our way. The enemy can accuse, he can intimidate, he can wreak havoc on the church. But the Hebrew writer reminds us in chapter 12, verse 3, Consider our Savior, who endured from the sinners such hostility against Himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. Your struggle against the enemy and the enemy of your, with your own sin, the struggle against your own sin, that pales in comparison to what Christ went through for you. Nehemiah trusted in God in hopes of Him fulfilling His promise to restore His people and bring His glory into His presence. 
forever. To bring his people into his glorious presence forever. And you and I now have this promise fulfilled in Jesus Christ. And there's nothing the enemy can do. Christ is our strength. It is his finished work on the cross and his resurrection that enables us to persevere in ours. In the great struggle of the universe, God in Christ reversed the flood of opposition and Christ said, it is finished. Then he rose from the grave and the devil and sin and all corrupted flesh were defeated. While his finished work of securing his people, he has now given us work to do as he restores us. And like Nehemiah, in our work, the opposition continues until the appointed time at the end. The opposition may continue, but so does the work. In chapter 7, the work doesn't stop with the rebuilding of the walls. The walls brought security for, for the rabble, if you will, for the people. And God then sets in motion of rebuilding the people. Nehemiah says when the wall had been built, there was more work to be done. And he gave trusted men who are faithful, God-fearing men the task of guarding the gates in the city. Nehemiah could not do this alone. Nehemiah needed help. And so he enlists the help of his brother, Hananiah who he could trust and who had the same desire as Nehemiah. Remember, it was Henani that came to him in the first place and told him about Jerusalem. And then there was Henaniah, who Nehemiah describes as a more faithful and God-fearing man than many there in verse 2 of chapter 7. Just pause for a second. What an honor... To be described by God in this way. Remember, this is not just Nehemiah's words in this book. These are God's words. What an honor to be described by God that way. Don't you want that said of you? I know I do. This is someone who is trusted by God to help Nehemiah in his God-given task. He is known for his faith and his obedience To God. It is a reflection of a heart that is full of God's grace. He is known for his godliness. And why is this important? Because godliness goes beyond justification to transformation, it goes from pardon to eternal glory with God. God has given faithful men and women today to help in the work that God has given. And that's every committed follower of Jesus Christ. Through Christ, we have the task. Like in the book of Nehemiah, the guards, we have the task of guarding the kingdom and working to advance the cause of Christ. Our work is a good work. And it has opposition. It may be fierce at times. 
We may feel afflicted and the opposition isn't going to end. But know that our God does not fail. And he's already accomplished what he set out to do. He's already determined your salvation. What he's given us is already in his hand, his secure hand. And nothing can take anything out of his hand. The outcome of yours and my work, just like here in Nehemiah, it is an assured, certain work. Those who seek after the Lord will be kept secure. They will be renewed. They will be preserved. And the outcome He has for you and I as followers of Jesus Christ, the outcome He has for us is salvation, not destruction. God's enemies, our enemies, will be stopped. The church will be built up and God will fulfill His promise to you and to every believer of Jesus Christ. The work will be accomplished by our God and we will glorify Him for it. Let's pray.